Welcome back for episode 49 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on September 9th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Hello, all. Next up is the newest addition to the fire team, Wind of the Stars, or as we all know her, Mel. Hey guys! The topic of today's chat is going to be a look at the lore behind the Crucible maps. Before we get into that, however, I did want to run through some quick notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the lore of Sword Logic. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts of the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the history behind that lovable rogue, Cade Six. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the information that we have about the many arenas of combat within the world of Destiny. All right. The first one is Bannerfall. Area designation, Bannerfall. Location, the last city on Earth. Uh, Lancer, like, oh God, these names. Uh, Lansander and Coronant mark the most recent example of a city political factions rising in the opposing of the consensus. The site marks a legendary battle where new monarchy's guardians rose to deliver the final blow to Condorant, unraveling the war efforts. Lion. Lysander, oh, I think that's how you say it, I'm so sorry, sought to bring against the vanguard. Lord Shax has commandeered the area not only to commemorate this last sand, but as a reminder of the city's solidarity against those who seek to undermine the extreme efforts and the sacrifice we make together to keep our peace. <clears throat> so this, so, yep, go for it, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, um, if you ever are playing on this map, you can definitely right off the bat tell that this is a new monarchy area. There's new monarchy symbols throughout half the side of the map. The other side has symbols. Um, I I have to admit, I never read this Grimoire card until this precise moment. But I've always wondered what the other faction was. And I assumed it was this area had to deal with the whole entire faction wars that um, occurred um, before we kind of get into the, the story um, that Destiny presents us. So um, it's really interesting that they that there's this actual, um, we have a name of the, the other side that this... Um, um, wa- was t- occupied by this other faction. So, um, do we know much more about this other faction besides this little bit of information mm-hmm. that's given here? Okay. Yeah, we um, we uh, there's there's a couple mentions of the Concordat throughout the Grimoire, and when I say couple, I literally mean couple. There's two. There's the the entire Ghost Fragment, the City Age card is um 
is concerning a meeting of the consensus in which the consensus approves for the um, establishment of the future war cult as a replacement for the Concordat. Um, and then also we find out that the Concordat it was a very, very big opponent to Osiris within the Osiris card. The Concordat is actually the group that claimed to have records proving that he was a golden age experiment misincarnated as a human by an inept ghost. Um, and so Lysander was Lysander was not a very good person. Um, he was pretty much a, I, I, I would almost go as far to say that he was a bully. Um, I'd say, I'd say Mal content he was he stirred the pot yeah yeah he he um if you if you read ghost fragment the city age which i mean we have we have a lot of grimoire cards so i'm not gonna i'm not going to read the the full uh grimoire card for city age but you get the sense that lysander first off um lysander did not back down from things he was he was very very opinionated and he was very, very confident of himself. And he also chose his followers so that they were very much aligned with his thoughts. Um, and to the degree that you had to get rid of them. Like they they weren't going to it wasn't a matter of cut the head off the snake and, you know, watch the body fall apart. It was a matter of you cut the head off the snake, two heads are gonna grow back and come after you. Um not necessarily as dangerous as the the as Lysander, but they they held their positions. It felt it it made the Concordat was a sense a faction that seemed like they were very very warlike. And if you look at the Bannerfall, you know, imagery, you have the new monarchy, the pyramid or the triangle. And if you look mm-hmm. at that other emblem, uh, the emblem, it's actually a fist pushing down. Yep. yep. Um, and so you just I mean just kind of extrapolate from that you know that the emblems those were the emblems of the factions this is what they fully believe in you know like the new monarchy has got the three the three slashes on the triangle the dead orbit has this the left side of the skull looking with the the rotating body the you know and so the emblems were very very important and so if a con- the concordant had a, p- a fist pushing down it kind of it's it's very telling of what that that faction you know that attitude that that faction has um and 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 sadly that's really all we have on the concordat itself um we know i mean we know that osiris was a a very very anti-secrets uh individual so the fact that the concordat and lysander were very, very against him makes you get the sense that maybe, you know, that that could be possibly a a, a tender point between them. But that's all that's yeah. that's speculation at that point. Um, but we do know we do know that the Concordat did not hesitate to to use political slander against the people that they viewed as um, opponents of them. And they also mm-hmm. didn't refute, they didn't, you know, they were not a necessarily a peaceful approach as far as. 
I would have not. I, I totally agree. I mean, just by looking at the symbol that's on Bannerfall, you get so much of that just based on their emblem alone. I mean, a symbol of a fist pushing down on something definitely shows that they are a type of faction that we are above everyone. We need to keep people down. You need to listen to us for A, B, and C reason and do not question what we have to say. Right. So, I mean, it may totally make sense, you know, if you, if you didn't know anything about the Concordant, um, just based on what their symbol is. So, do you want it's to very, go? No, go it's for very it. funny too because uh, traditionally, a fist rising up has been a, has been a uh, symbol of rebellion, mm-hmm. and it's very odd to me. Maybe this is not intentional at all, but it's very odd to me that the Concordant was actually a faction that rebelled against the Tower. And yet their fist is pushing down. And I don't know quite, I mean, I think it's exactly what you're, what you're, you know, kind of putting out there is that, that they, they're kind of trying to suppress things, but it just seems like it would have made a lot more sense for the fist to be going (laughs) up like, yeah, we're fight the power. Yeah. And I'm trying to find, there was, um, there was a really fascinating connection to the Concordat. Uh, just just as a as a note, the Concordat, an actual Concordat, is an agreement or treaty that's and it's usually especially between the Vatican and a secular government relating to matters of mutual interest. So it's actually hmm. it's it's actually a convention um, between the Holy See and a sovereign state. And what that entire point of that convention is, is it defines the relationship between the Catholic Church and the state in matters that concern both. Basically, um, you know, you have like Concordat of 1801, you have the Concordat of Worms, you know, there's a lot of these things that they were defined. Um, And there's a really interesting Reddit article that I posted in our Spinfoil chat that talks about uh, the Concordat as a possible connection to the nihilism of Nietzsche. And... um, it's a it's it it will it is not going to be something that I can get into you know in um in five minutes like it's gonna it would be its own podcast basically to walk through the logic here on this I'll mm-hmm. I'll throw it in the show notes definitely but um it's it's called Beyond the Rabbit Hole and I I will attach it for everybody to get a chance to read but they actually talk about the um the potential of the naming convention behind the concordat as a nod to the problem of the traveler and the importance of the deflationary position which is um one of the positions on the darkness and how that is related to perspectivism and nihilism and then you know Nietzsche's the death, death of god uh, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a really good read but it makes you really kind of look at why exactly supposedly the concordat was such an enemy of the consensus and if you look it's actually an interesting juxtaposition of the terms because a concordat was a consensus like a, and a, a concordat the entire point of a concordat was to come to a consensus on you know matters that impacted the church and secular governments so it's it's a it's a it's an intriguing juxtaposition that the concordat is in destiny against the consensus because in reality that's actually the exact opposite the concordat leads to a consensus so, right but yeah it- 
Interesting. Very interesting. Because as soon as you started talking about what an actual concordant is, I was starting to wonder, I was like, well, are they, are they, are they more following the traveler? But then after kind of going down what you had to say, I kind of, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. So, but uh, do we want to go into our our next map, Exodus Blue? Yeah, and so just just uh, I should have I should have made it this point before we started, and I f- I forgot. Um, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna run through the notes as quickly as we can. We're obviously gonna get a little bit sidetracked on here and there. Some of these cards are pretty just you know pretty basic. Um, what we did in chat was we basically started on a planet ran through the maps in alphabetical order and then went to the next planet and did the same thing. So that's kind of the logic that we're, we're going to follow here. So that being said, the next map on earth is Exodus blue and the grimoire card reads in the shadows of all that we were, we fight for all we can be area designation, Exodus blue location, Cosmodrome earth. Grimly referred to as the Graveyard, Exodus Blue was only recently secured for crucible combat. Located among the ruins of one of the Cosmodrone's colony ship gantries, this site is a memorial to the grief and horror of the collapse. Thousands died here in a last-ditch effort to outrun the oncoming darkness. But it is also a sign of hope. Once the Cosmodrome is secure, the great colony ships may fly again, and this location was chosen specifically to send a message to the fallen House of Devils. You may be picking at the bones of our history, but we are still here, and we are still strong. I like it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, go for it. You de- you definitely get a sense that this is the similar area to where you're kind of um, on the Cosmodrome. Because, you know, when you start, there's all those cars, there's bodies, skeletons everywhere. And there's definitely um, at least... W- yeah, there's at least one car on this map um, with a skeleton, I believe, in it. So, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, and then there's all the other references to the fallen and stuff. So, um, do you want to add anything? Else? I mean this this one this one I think is is pretty. I like I like the ending of this one because it's it starts <clears throat> pointing out, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll touch on this uh, you know as we go through the cards. There is. Um, there is a multifaceted purpose of the crucible and you'll start, you'll start picking it up on it as we go through the cards. There's, there's a sense that the crucible is not just necessarily to, I mean, it's predominantly to train and to teach the guardians in the way of combat and, you know, the importance of using skills and teamwork um, and all that. It's definitely, that is the primary function, but there's a secondary purpose and that is often to kind of um, serve as a, a i don't really a forward guard i guess you would say of monitoring different areas and locales for any activity that might be considered dangerous um, right or or I, as in this map to kind of point out to the the enemies of the city that you know hey we're still here and not only are we still here we're strong enough to come take things and use them as playgrounds mm-hmm. so yeah, I've always got that sense from a lot of the Crucible maps uh, without ever it being outwardly stated that these areas are not just for what you said, like, you know, for training, but they're definitely of kind of like, you know, we're here, we're, we're, we're doing things and we're keeping our eye on you. I always kind of felt they also used them as kind of a point for re- not necessarily recon, but kind of like, you know, 
you know, don't get too comfortable because we're watching you. Right. So it, it's kind of the way I kind of picture it is it's Shaq's using it's Shaq's keeping a, a finger on the pulse of the the re, the the areas. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of keeping if if something were to happen. Hey, guess what? We have a you know, we have 12 guardians who are currently in a live fire exercise right there. You know, it's mm-hmm. we're ready to go. And right. um, so and, and so you'll you'll start picking up on that. And then there's also some just like these tongue in cheek little tips of the hat to be like, yeah, 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 you you won one battle, but we're we're still we're still here and you haven't won the war yet. So, <laughs> yeah. But I think the right. next one is, is fr- Frontier is Frontier. One of my least favorite maps. <laughs> ever i hate this map (laughs) okay frontier area designation frontier location city perimeter earth this outlook station at the edge of the city's borders was decommissioned in the face of the increasing falling tax shortly before the battle of twilight gap refitting of the station post pat post battle was mothballed when short shacks found that amongst the dirt dust and rusty metal the station was primed for live fire exercises the runaway layout of frontier station makes it a perfect course to train for the rise craze the rising craze of rift based assault so uh yeah frontier yeah um i I didn't realize it was that far out actually i Mm -hmm. i thought it was a little bit closer in inland you know kind of closer into the cosmodrone area but obviously it's not even anywhere near that area it's completely further away than than i thought so i just i just assumed with mountains little snow here and there oh okay rest of buildings yeah okay (laughs) right right and i I mean i know a lot of people we we were trying to put like a timeline on when maps were you know created and stuff like that and this one obviously the base itself was decommissioned so basically they just abandoned this location and it wasn't actually like anything really secure wise it was really just like kind of a signal fire area to um to warn of incoming attacks and that's really kind of the mm-hmm. the brunt of frontier i mean it's it's what it sounds like it's a frontier it's frontier. you know mm-hmm. the, during a war that's uh <laughs> That's one of the things when you have to fall back, that's the first thing you, you abandon is a scout tower. You don't really need them. So, and then, you know, obviously the nod towards the riff, um, which is one of the types of crucible, uh, that everyone either loves, loves or loves to hate. So I'm indifferent about it. I'm, I'm sometimes I'm up for a rift. Other times I'm like, I hate it, especially, especially on this map being that <laughs> the rift is spawns on that bridge. No, 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 no. Let's not, let's not play this game. You don't like the let's meat play, grinder? Yeah, no, let's play. Who's the faster sniper or who has specials? No, thank you. <laughs> I am not, a, I, I don't play a snipes that well. I'm more of a mid range fighter. So this one is, slays me i have such a hard time on this map but anyways continuing on (laughs) to better destiny maps (laughs) to better ones so the next one that we come to on earth is memento and the card says area designation memento location european dead zone earth on the outskirts of the european dead zone lie a ruin once a thriving riverside city center 
crucible codename Memento, the Ghost City features resplendent streets and bleeding-edge pre-Golden Age architecture, or did before nature claimed it, reclaimed it. When pressed about the sensibility of maintaining a crucible arena amidst a sanctioned dead zone, Lord Shax responded, Nothing in this world says it stays dead for long anymore. We need to be ready. So, again, dual dual purpose of Crucible right here. Yep. Um he's he's positioning he's positioning the maps to not only so it gives you the sense that it's not only teaching you how to how to shoot, it's teaching you how to move move through things. Um maybe to reclaim areas. Um, and this, the interesting thing here for us in chat was you'll notice that the European Dead Zone or EDZ, uh, the maps that are related to EDZ are always on the outskirts. There's not a map within the Dead Zones, which led to a conversation that was about what exactly is a Dead Zone? And the answer is we don't really know. Um. <laughs> So we know we know there's there's a few few tidbits about dead zones, um, but nothing. Sadly, nothing really. Is it an area that is just overcome with darkness that n- no one can really go there, or is um, it just not? I mean, that's that's one theory. Uh, so like we have like a hunter class item that's dead zone revolution, and it says with each dead zone charted comes a new cloak pattern from the hunter elite. Um, and then the only other kind of nod to the European dead zone is in the Merva type zero Titan chest. It's a, uh, one of the first pillars, uh, Luke Romaine gave his last full measure in the European dead zone. So we, we, we get the sense that there was, there was battles in the dead zones. Um, if that, if if it's a dead zone because it's darkness infused, or if it's because there's you know radiation from when humanity, you know, had its last breaths, um, mm-hmm. we don't we don't know. Uh, dead zones, mm-hmm. literally, we we have we got we got nothing on dead zones other than the, the two maps that we will be talking about here. Memento being one of them. Yeah. All right. So, uh, 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 hang on. I had it open and then it closed. All right. So our next one is Sector Six One Eight Area Designation Designation Six One Eight Location Cosmodrome Wall Earth. Sector Six One Eight is a recently established crucible area mired in a ruin of the Cosmodrome. Secured by Shacks and Red Jack Fire Team, the space has been converted into an obstacle course for Guardians, adding balance and navigation challenges to the live fighting proceedings. But the firefights of the Crucible aren't the first that the facility has seen. The battles that shook the walls of Sector 618 bellow in the simple name, taken from its designation on the Vanguard Atlas. It was chosen as an area because the look of the place reminded Lord Shacks of the spirit of war. Only Rasputin, who was operational during its height, could have witnessed the transpired here long ago. But the war mind remains silent about many great things. So definitely, I, I, I guess I'm one of those things I never really, uh, when you're in it, now that, now that I've read that, like, oh, yeah, you're in the wall, that makes a lot more sense. Um, it's, uh, you definitely get the feel that you're in, definitely in the Cosmodrome. So, um 
And what was the other thing that I saw? You can go ahead, Blue, because I saw something and now I'm totally spacing on what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, Your there's, turn. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple points I want to make on 618. Uh, 618 is actually an, a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, so those of us ah. who are playing on Xbox, uh, pins, pins has in chat, 618 is a myth experienced by only certain guardians. Um, that's, that's kind of <laughs> how we, we, uh, oh yeah, that map quote that you have. Um, the other, the other kind of cool thing about 618 is it, it does give us, uh, information. Well, it doesn't give us information, but it gives us a name for the fire team that is, yep responsible for claiming these arenas and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of i'm gonna go into those later once we get through all the cards because there's a very interesting connection between the red jacks and and our reality and the the history Hmm. of arenas namely within the roman republic and or the roman empire there's there's a very big connection there and it's a very fun one but what the important thing here is is that we now know that we have we have a um an explanation of how these arenas are being are being upkept, um, and who what who's who's laying the designation out, who's making sure that there aren't random villain you know you know NPCs running around causing trouble because some of these are in you know enemy territory. So who's keeping the enemy out of the arena so that guardians can focus on killing each other? The Red Jacks are. The Red Jacks are a special team that belong to sh- or report to shacks and their prime designation is the maintenance and designation of crucible arenas. So, but Hmm. that's really, I mean the, uh, from what I can see on the grimoire card, again, having not played this map myself since I play on the Xbox, um, my understanding is that it is in, you know, location Cosmodrome wall. It actually looks like it's within the Cosmodrome wall, which is an interesting, it is. it's an interesting idea for me too. Yeah. When, um, I actually, I get, I, the, ironically, they actually put this map in rotation a lot on PlayStation. Like this is a very, very popular map that they put on there. Um, but when you're in there, you definitely see the inter infrastructure, it's a three normal three lanes. And then the lanes there's drop-offs. They're just go down to nothingness. So you have to a lot of Mm. times jump to get to the other sides. Um, But there's a lot of pipes and everything throughout it and everything's leaking. So you can tell that the wall wasn't necessarily just a quote wall. It was actually stations and places where people had supplies and could go out on the opposite side of the wall to grant these supplies to probably to bet people in battle or on, you know, people that are inside the wall. So there's definitely, you can tell that there's, cause there's crates and everything around. And, um, but there's also a lot of that, that sense of stuff that, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say, so what that reminds me of, and again, I mean, this is, I'm just picturing this in my head. What that reminds me a lot of is the first level when you, when yep, you walk exactly into the wall, like that, it. that big area right before you get the Kavos stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's what that reminds me of. So that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the layout. Oh, that's kind of cool. I, I'm now excited yeah. about getting that and. <laughs> yeah, I've I've, I'm, I've been making tallies of like maps that custom maps I'm going to be just like sitting in. Um, the European Dead Zones are one of those, and this one's going to definitely be one too. If it's if it's like that, yeah. Are they putting the the 
the PlayStation exclusives into the, the, the thing one, now? One can, or? Hope. one can hope. One can hope. I'm yeah. Sure. So I, like, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah. I would so those assume, of you, but. Yeah. Hopefully, because I want you guys to play those maps, too, because there's a lot of cool stuff on a lot of the PlayStation maps. So if you if you don't have a PlayStation um, and like Blue said, it's very similar to that very first level you get um, in the game. Um, and then when you're walking across those catwalks and it's just drop offs, it's like that. But the lanes are that's the lane and it's bigger. And then there's like the those big, huge truck um, shipping truck containers that are on there. So there's like those containers that you can go in and you can hide. And there's a little bit of multi-levels. Like you can jump from one side to another through like some weird infrastructures. So um looks like Penn said yeah. that there's going to be no year two exclusives coming to Xbox Boo. yet. So I will be happy to record it for you guys. Yep. So what that what that means is we're going to make Mel stream and we're going to all go pile <laughs> into her stream and watch her and we're going to be telling her to go to this corner and then go to this corner. So because <laughs> no one else in, in focus and fire chat has a has a PlayStation, right? Am, am I the only one uh, on the podcast? You are. Yeah. Okay. I'm the designated PlayStation exclusive shower of lore, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> You're the PlayStation right. ambassador. Yep. There uh, okay. Go. Liaison. I like that. Li- PlayStation liaison. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and that brings up, uh, so we'll jump to the next one, uh, which is Skyshock. In that one, there's a quote on this one that says, Whatever they were after, it's been lost. We can only hope it was Rasputin that destroyed it and not the Hive. And it's a quote from Lord Shacks. Area designation Skyshock. Location, Old Russia, Earth. This repowered interplanetary defense array in the Cosmodrome, once under the control of Rasputin, was recently ravaged by the Hive. Now cleared and controlled by the Crucible, the deserted cedars left among the Skyshock array offer more evidence that the Hive's endless battle with the last war mine still rages on and has now reached Earth. Um, this was uh, this was if you can't tell by the verbiage of the card here, this was added to the rotation in the dark below, which was when this was the highlight of everything going on. Um. And I'm, I'm trying to think. Again, some of these, like I said, some of these cards. It's kind of like, yep, that's that's all right. <laughs> um, I don't have anything on this card really, other than I want to know what they were after. But you guys got anything on that one? Not really. I mean, it. I don't. Some note: this map is huge. It's one of the very few that you can ride your your bike around your sparrow around um but i mean it it's possible they were trying to get down into rescue and not necessarily with something mm-hmm. specifically they were after because it does have all that look that it's maybe close to where he was um but other than that i i don't think so so blue wasn't Skyshock one of those terms in the uh kind of the military um, verbiage that was going back and forth. Yeah, and um, uh, the ghost fragments. Uh huh. And the ghost the, and the uh, Rasputin ghost fragments. Yeah, ghost fragment, old Russia, the human verification request. The words were rigor, apex, sky shock uh, for the payload status. Um, I'm trying to think. I think. Uh, ghost fragment darkness has a sky shock alert. 
Uh, and then it later, one of his if then statements is uh, promotion of an event to a sky shock status. Um, that's right before the Voluspa and Yuga. Um, and then I think the only other one, and then of course the, that ties into Rasputin five. So it's, you know, that's the listing of the if then statements, um, which a lot of people, you know, that's the argument of, did he actually attack the traveler or not? So, but yes, sky shock, sky shock is, um, it is a term that has been before. So. Um, I can take rusted lands. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. And then it went away. I feel so, so I feel so nerfed not being on my computer. Um, so rusted land. Scars of our collapse mark the land. Reminders that all is fragile in the face of time. Area designation, the rusted lands. Location, eastern flood zone, earth. The hive never leaves the moon. This is dogma. A way to soothe frightened children and reassure wary guard- guardians. Not so long ago, a wandering hunter and her fire team stumbled into a feral community in the eastern flood zone. The gaunt survivors huddled in these bombed out ruins, spoke of a ter- pr- terrible presence, and begged for No self-respecting guardian could refuse. As night fell... The guardians found themselves the haunted. The hunted stalked through the ruins, shapes of bone and shadow. The discovery of a hive cedar made the truth plain. Mankind's ancient enemy had come to earth. The final confrontation came in the shadow of the cedar. As a hive wizard and her knights rose to challenge the guardians, only one guardian returned to the city, her knife painted in black ash. A trail of grateful survivors in tow. Now, in the chilling shadows of the hive's pod, guardians hone their skills in the hopes that they may one day live up to the heroes of the rusted lands. This card is so awesome. This is a really good card. This is like the most lore you you kind of get on an area. Yeah. Like most of it is like, oh, this is a place. It was secured. End of story. This one, they actually like tell you a story of of how there were still survivors and people here living amongst the hive and they had no clue what they were like i can't imagine how scary that must have been for for them and not really understanding like what is going on what are these creatures you know Mm -hmm. assuming they got secluded and weren't given information right that's that's the thing is like (laughs) oh my gosh it's because it's a feral community um, so yeah. that, I mean, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's, it's a community that is not in communication with the world outside of around. And mm-hmm. so they're literally, they, their, their worst nightmare is literally right there and it's living among them. And it's just, ah, uh, I love, I love this card simply because of your right. This, the, the story that it comes with. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like the fact that they, and it also gives you a sense of, you know, the guardians, again, they're sacrificing themselves to get these citizens back to the city. That was an Mm -hmm. entire fire team that was lost. Yeah. It really brings home true the term guardian. They're not just guarding, you know, a tower or something like that. They, they are guarding 
the last bits of civilization on Earth, and not just even on Earth and other places that aren't taken over by the darkness. So um, I have a question. Is there any more information on what possible fire team and what hunter this was? I know there's so many iconic hunters in the lore um i feel like there could be a couple ones that this fits to is there any information yeah, I, I actually don't um i know we had a conversation about where the um the timeline lied within the game story um mm-hmm. because the thing is is like you get the sense right here that this is the hunter that comes back to the city and be, and was like, yeah, you know that, you know, those fairy tales that you tell everybody, they're real. And that's, you know, that's the comment about her knife is painted in black ash. I think that yeah. that's kind of a nod to she brought back proof that the hive are on earth. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but as far as like what specific hunter, as sadly we we couldn't figure anyone out. Um, you know, there's a lot of hunters that get nodded to within the lore that we don't really get names of. Like there's the sure. there's the hunter we'll talk about a little bit with you know next week with Cade. There's the hunter that he set to Mars, and you know has a has a vendetta of, of some kind with with Draxus and you know there's like this hunt and then you know we get Tevis and we have other hunters that we do get names of um and it's it's same across the board all all guardians there's titans there's warlocks you know there's the warlock and the hunter who bet about the ahamkara you know that there's mm-hmm. that we never get their names um and a, and a lot of them you don't even get their their gender either so mm-hmm. like this is a rare one where you actually get the gender of the class like a lot of right. times they say a hunter or they give a name but they they're very they're very very good at not saying what gender it is so i'm wondering like maybe if this somewhere fits into someone else's backstory and we just don't know it yet so yeah there's there's one thing i'm having a hard time telling and that is uh we were the ones that brought back the news that the hive were on earth you remember when we, yep. which, which we, we actually, you know, we talked about that in chat, um, which points out two two potential issues, which both have their own concerning <laughs> consequences. Um, the first one is we weren't, <laughs> they just didn't tell anybody, which is concerning for its own reasons. And then mm-hmm. the other situation could be that this was actually around the same time like this this happened close to the same time that we encountered them mm-hmm. so okay. that's what i was thinking that it might have occurred around the exact same time right when yeah we, when we found them because i like, I like you know, being optimistic <laughs> that they're not i have lying, to be a little not, bit of optimistic they're not lying to us about everything I mean, oh. I I know I align with future, or I align with Dead Orbit, and I think everything is just going to go to crap. But I mean, at the same time, I want to be a little bit optimistic that I'm not being lied to by everyone I speak to. So, but then again, I probably am. Let's be real here. Well, you know, talking about talking about everything going to crap, the next map is uh, is a location that that actually happened. Uh, exactly, that's, that's Twilight Gap. Um, do you want to grab that one, Mel, or do you want me to yeah. take it? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. Hold up. And this is the quote that is opening on this card. Here we fight for the memory of those who stood. Here we die for the glory of the light that never fades. 
Area designation, Twilight Gap. Location, city perimeter, Earth. Name for the city's greatest battle. This defensive battery once held the front line against the combed uh, the combined effort of the fallen houses. Overrun during the course of the invasion, many guardians lost their lives to hold the line. That the crucible now claims this hollowed ground is seen as a privilege, a rite of passage. As new generations of guardians stand and fight where the brave fell, heroes rose and legends were born. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, so definitely the one of the areas that, um, like they said, first line of defense during the twi- Twilight uh, Gap battle. Um, it's kind of interesting that they are saying like this: this is the land. This is where you earn your 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 rite of passage. This is kind of like your initiation as a true guardian and by fighting on this map, honoring those that have come before you that allow you to stand here today. You know, so um, I actually really like this map. Yeah, believe and it or not, the. Um this is this is a very you know like i was saying earlier there's a couple connections to actual crucible or actual gladiatorial combat uh twilight mm-hmm. gap is a very very big connection because um and like i said i'll i'll get into it more deeply but the thing to remember about gladiatorial combat is that ultimately the gladiator games were not just they were not predominantly actually for entertainment uh they were actually there to teach and to remind people of the glory of Rome. And they were often, they were really actually originally presented as historical reenactments of battles that Rome had won to teach, to teach people the strategies that had won them. So Twilight Gap is, and the other thing here too is remember the definition of crucible. A crucible is to, is a process of purification of metals through, through live fire. Um, so Again, Twilight Gap is pretty much the the pinnacle of what a crucible is, because exactly what it says right there it's 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 a rite of passage for new generations to stand and fight, and they stand and fight on the ground where their their heroes and legends stood to remind them of what they should be aspiring for. Yeah, I actually, to me, it strikes me as Guardians fighting at Twilight Gap, kind of like Civil War reenactments at Gettysburg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that's just kind of the feeling, right? And and again, that I mean, that's that's not a tradition that's unique to to the American culture or to modern culture. I mean, historical battle reenactments um, have always been a a very very useful teaching process in every culture, you know, it's, it's doesn't, it did not, it was not, it's not a modern thing, you know, uh, medieval, uh, medieval cultures used it. Pre medieval cultures used it. It was, it was a way to allow people to learn safely about the art of war without having to actually go through war so that when war happened, they would be ready. And, you know, what mm-hmm. better way to prepare than to, you know, get as close to possible to the real thing. Mm-hmm. So. Which is exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. as Crucible in Crucible too, you know. Um, and then yeah. I think we have so, one last map. Yeah. One of my favorites. I love this map. Widow's really? Court. Yeah, I love Widow's <laughs> Court. 
Are you a sniper? You must be a sniper. MLG snipes all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, Widow's Court. It's only quiet till the shooting starts. Nestled against the crumbling facade of a derelict wall on the edge of the European dead zone, there are countless stories of the events that left this small village a ghost town. But its eerily quiet streets and nostalgia have made it a favorite of Lord Shack's. Yeah, yeah, I love Widow's Court. I love that quote. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I just, I like that it's, quote. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it, um, that description captures it. If you've never been on Widow's Court, it's, I mean, it's, it captures it perfectly. It's, mm-hmm. y- you feel like you're in one of the little, one of the little French villages from the, from some of the final scenes of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would argue it's more German, but yes. Yeah, I, w- I always was thinking these these dead zones. They very, especially with all the cathedrals and stuff. They're very, they remind me a lot of Germany, or like so. Eastern European areas. Mm-hmm. The architecture and mm-hmm. stuff remind me. But I, I mean, yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I, I, I like Widow's Court, and I, you know, I think that it's uh it's it just there's so many interesting things in these maps, especially on the Earth. Um, so that actually, do we have anything? Did you guys have anything else on Widow's Court or any of the maps on Earth? Um, just one little one little uh, comment. Mm-hmm. Um, the nostalgia of it has mm-hmm. made it a favorite of Lord Shacks. Do you think that that's just the nostalgia of? of um, you know, kind of medieval architecture, but, or do you think that this place holds some sort of special, special meaning, meaning for shacks? I, I it's think probably it's, the former, but yeah, I, just, I always kind of, I always kind of took it as a, um, a window to the previous world, you know, like yeah. a window to the world that was, if you were, if you would. Um, and it reminds it reminds people of what, what we, what we came from. Well, I mean, wi- widow, someone that has is a surviving person of their deceased partner mm-hmm. or husband or wife. Um, it could be what you just said that it's you know nostalgic to the sense of our departure from our part or our half of ourself that used to be alive. I don't know. I feel yeah. like I'm reaching now. It, it kind of, <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense too, that it would be called widow's court because back in that time period, who predominantly went to war, the men, men. So it was a court where the, the widows would come and grieve. Or and there's a, there is a cathedral in the map too. Yep. And there I, is like a, there is a court right there with that tree where the heavy spawns. Uh huh. So that could be the court for which they are referring to. Yeah, I found religion in the cathedral many times. <laughs> Saw the light and you yes. went to it. Yes. <laughs> and then you spawned again. <laughs> and then I realized I was being pulled. Um, <laughs> you realized you realized it was uh, that that God was that was one gun. Yeah. Sniper glint. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. Or a flash grenade. Yeah, that yeah. too. <laughs> well and that's right. so that's all the earth maps 
Um, I think we should, you want to, we'll jump to the Mars. So there's a combination of Mars and Phobos. Um, Phobos, I love saying that. Uh, The first of which is Bastion. And Bastion says, there's a quote on it, it says, there's no telling the scale of devastation hidden beneath these red sands. Area designation, Bastion. Location, Meridian Bay, Mars. Thick, rugged terrain masks one of the largest Vex structures on Mars, leaving this imposing gate as the only conventional entrance. With the Cabal's interest in Vex activity, it was a matter of when, not if, they would set their sights here. The Cabal deployed a massive ground and air offensive to breach the wall and enter the subterranean labyrinth. We don't know what the Vex deployed in defense, but we know this. The Cabal didn't make it very far. The Vex have since mysteriously vanished from this region, giving the Crucible one of its largest arenas in the solar system. The Cabal, on the other hand, still prefer to keep their distance. Nice. Bastion. I'm trying to remember which You're just stuck on the name. You're just stuck on the name. It's a big one. Um, there's this kind the one of different the levels. Isn't this the one that yeah. had the uh, the ship, the uh, interceptors? Oh, was this a combined arms map? No. Well, last time I played it, there was no interceptors on it. I don't know if there was at one point. It. Huh. Uh, God, how to describe it? It has a giant ring in it that I call the donut, and it's really fun to jump through. Do you guys know which one I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yes. It has it's a not- tree. There's a tree in one room. And then they can come from the bottom, and it's kind of like the good room to stand into because you can kind of control which points people come in from in front of you and to the right and to the left. And there's a tree right there in the center. No, I lost yeah. you. Great. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think I know. I think I isn't know. This, I, I'm, isn't this the one? No, never mind. Is this the one with turrets? I I haven't seen turrets in it recently, so. Okay. If there was turrets ba- at one Bastion's point, I don't. one of the maps I that I have not actually played on a lot. So, yeah, yeah. it's I I don't know for you guys on on the PlayStation, but or on the Xbox, but it, this is a very rare map to get on Crucible, yeah. at least for me. So, <clears throat> see. Okay, so do we want to go ahead and move to Black Shield? Yes, this one I am familiar with. Yeah, I like this map actually. This is a fun, a fun map. So she'd be a good team to communicate with, and you can kind of like control the people that are in the room because usually people always want to go in the room. So, mm-hmm. anyways, okay. The quote <laughs> that begins with the card is: "The cabal are too structured, too disciplined. Let's show them what fun looks like." I, I, I feel like that would be something that Kate would say. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that sounds like a Kate quote to me. Uh, it doesn't give a name on it, so we have no idea who says it. Um, area designation, Black Shield, location, Firebus, Firebase Thuria. I think that's how you say yep. that. Thuria, Phobos. Codename Black Shield. This decommissioned firebase is believed to have been a key position used by the Cabal as they established their war base on the surface of Mars. With the majority of the forces stationed planet side, Guardians have been able to claim Black Shield as a competitive training ground. Both Shax and Commander Zavala have questioned the Cabal's strategy, believing that forfeiting such a strategic position may one day leave the Cabal and Mars open to a proper offensive. So, yeah. Um, 
those that are familiar with the map, um, it's it's nice because there's a nice little room in the center that is easy to control. Um, and then the outside is kind of like a horseshoe shape. So it's easy to go around and kind of control the different things. Um, there's a lot of cabal influences the inside of the base. Definitely screams cabal all over the place. Um, it's interesting because there's also one emblem on that tower. So I don't know if that indicates different factions within the cabal like hey this is this specific faction of the cabal um i feel like we don't know enough about that specific enemy to to say which one it is um blue do you is this one of the maps that you that you like i play on i a lot? so i'll i'll be honest i i i'm like ambivalent on most of the maps um i like this map simply because of the uh the location name firebase thuria um mm-hmm. if anyone has ever read any of the barsoom novels by edgar rice burroughs who also wrote the um tarzan novels thuria is the martian name of the mars moon phobos in that series uh it's also a kingdom in the pelosidar novels by uh burroughs um so Thuria and and Thuria is also a town in Greece. So there's there's actually a lot of connections to the 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 word Thuria. Mm-hmm. So that's why I I don't know. Once I get the feel for maps, I'm usually kind of ambivalent. I don't really like. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> care. Um, I, I know sometimes I get on some maps. I'm like, oh no, here we go. Another <laughs> one's like, yes. There's a few. There's a few. Um, <laughs> Most of them, <laughs> most of them are we. Well, I'll you'll know when we get to them because I'll be like, Ugh. but it's usually it's usually not like I I really don't um I don't I don't usually feel strongly towards maps. I mean, there, if I do, it's like one or two. Um, but yeah, so that's that's actually my the the inter- interesting thing for me is the connection to Edgar Rice Burroughs in hmm. Firebase Thuria. Um, I like that. So, let's see. What's the next one? I think we have... Blind Watch. Watch. And the quote on Blind Watch is, dry as the bones you'll break. Area designation, the Blind Watch. Location, Meridian Bay, Mars. The Blind Watch was once a clandestine guardian outpost on the outskirts of Freehold, used to monitor Cabal activity in and around the buried city. After the Cabal consolidated their forces near the fortified, their fortified exclusion zone, the site was reclaimed by the Crucible as a combat training ground. Resting atop an old Clovis Bray science facility, the Blind Watch allows Guardians to acclimate to the harsh Martian environment while maintaining a combat-ready presence should the Cabal ever begin to mobilize. So again, double purpose of the Crucible. Uh, Not only are we training you, we're getting you acclimated to the environment. Again, you know, kind of like what we were doing with the European Dead Zone maps. And... Mm -hmm. If something were to ever happen, guess what? We have a fire. We have two fire teams immediately available. So, right. yeah, this is a fun one. I think this that is a, this, this is a fun one. This is one of the very few maps where there is something in the environment that is constantly moving or changing, and that little spinny room is is fun. Is fun to 
to be in and kind of snipe in. I think I think what is it? Anomaly is the only other one that has a spinny thingy in it. And mm. um Anomaly the, the, and what's that what Drifter. Drifter has a, a thing yeah, in it that's yeah. moving, but it doesn't really affect your gameplay, both Anomaly. Well Anomaly kinda does. Anomaly does. Drifter Drifter doesn't. Um Drifter has something moving in it, but it doesn't affect your gameplay. Right. It's just there to like look pretty there is so. a um there is the uh the fans from the srl map yeah i think you can see them That's in true. the background here um oh can you think, oh this is something I that we're so. gonna have to check out yep. when i mean there's been i one thing i really want to do is kind of always stand on the edge and look to see how far you can see and see what else is around you but of course you can never do that when people are trying to shoot you in the head so um yes <laughs> yes let's let's move on to ooh, the srl map which we were just talking about yep um Campus Martunis? Martunis. Yes, Martunis. Excuse me. Uh, Okay, quote here at the very beginning is, gotta make sure your timing is just right if you want to slice through those blades. Amanda Holiday. The massive turbine assemblies that serve as Campus Martellus's most distinctive obstacle are a relic from the lost Golden Age facility. The SLR uses them to power needed equipment for the races, but there are signs that some energy is being diverted to an unknown location. I actually knew this information before I read this this grammar card, and I feel very special about that. I've always wondered what exactly that power is going to. Um, is there maybe another war mine somewhere that is deriving this power? Mm. Well, we do know, know that there is supposedly a war mine who goes by the name of Charlemagne on Mars. Oh, oh. <sighs> so every time, Very. every time the fans hit you, you're actually doing damage to a war mine. Just keep that in mind. Ah <laughs> oh, well, crap. <laughs> I admit, I I suck so bad at sparrow racing. Oh, I I can. Oh man, oh man. Oh, I love this map. This was this was oh this map it's was fun. so fun. This was this was yeah. one of the maps that you was like, oh, you're in first, but you're last. You're yeah, in first, exactly. oh, last. You're in last. Yeah. Now you're first. Like oh, those fans would just jack with people. Um, yeah, the fans, and then um. There was another part. There's right after the fans too in that tunnel. There's a really hard, sharp right turn that always was. Oh uh, yeah, see, I always went over the top. Yeah. Uh, I always went the other way. <laughs> I also want to note it. Note that on the SLR maps, it is one of the few maps that actually still have combatants on it. Right. Um, they um, they did that on purpose. The Red Jacks yeah. actually allowed the combatants to. Um, to go onto the maps because they want to make the races interesting. <laughs> uh, it's okay. They won't really, I'm trying to they won't really hurt that. you that hard. Cause no, when yeah. you get hit by them, you, you, your shield just goes down and you just kind of keep going. You're like, Oh, that's cute. That's kind of, that kind of tickled. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so, I, I'm wondering if then, if the red jacks are there, kind of monitoring how many combatants are on there at any given time. I would, you know? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm trying yeah. to remember a- which, where it is that they said, like, cause if you read just like sparrow racing 
it just is like, yeah, they clear the track, but there's there's a quote somewhere, and I'm I'm running through them right now. Uh, there's a quote, yeah, like there's the the bounty for bugs on the windshield. Is there are a few things more satisfying than smacking a wayward wayward goblin with your sparrow? Um, I'm trying to remember there, but. I think uh, I know which one you're talking about. There, there I, is a, I, I think I, it's Amanda who says it's like, who basically like, it's just like, a, oh, I can't find it. Um, but yeah, there, there is a comment in the, in the grimoire where they, they literally, they, they are, they allow people to come onto the track because they want it to make it more. Or maybe it was an in game like quote, but it's something about like, they want to make it more interesting. I want to say I remember seeing something about that. I think she might say it at the beginning when you're getting ready to count yeah, down. Yeah, it might be on on uh, either Campus or Infinite Descent. I can't. Oh my gosh, I, I'm I'm so annoyed that I don't have that quote. But yeah, yes. So, anyways, <laughs> moving moving on. Um, <laughs> the next, the next map is Crossroads, which is another uh, another Taken King map. Uh, this is area designation Crossroads location: the Lost Oasis, Mars. An active Vex structure on Mars with no Cabal vying to occupy or destroy it is rare. Even rare is such a facility abandoned by the Vex themselves. Detailed analysis of the site estimates three separate ecosystems that the landscape could support if the area had any wildlife to benefit from it. A hidden report to Ikora mentioned they clove this ruin out of the land, possibly to defend themselves from a long-vanished enemy, or perhaps to isolate the land for experimentation. Hmm. So basically, interesting. the crossroads is a, a uh, terranium for the Vex. Not a terrain. Yeah. It wouldn't be a terrain. It would be a... It's like a... Like, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. It's it's basically they're just, they're sort of like they're little fishbowl for which yeah. to put things in to yes, see what happens Yes, to thank them. you. That's, that's actually... Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing about it is that this is an active... Like it says, it's an active Vex structure... And no one's there. So we took it. It's ours. Yeah. It's kind of cool, though. If you stand next to that giant tree, if you look out, I did this the other day because no one else was around me. And I'm like, I'm just going to kind of look around for a few minutes. And oh, actually, a few seconds. And it actually, the desert just goes on and on and on and on as far as you can see, you know. So that's really cool that it's but then there's like the huge drop off to go out mm. to the island. Well, so and, you it's, know, that's what uh, hurt in chat saying right now is like mm-hmm. testing grounds for gardening, mm-hmm. you know, practice, yeah. practicing yeah. the gardening that the Vex, you know, they, they do. So, yeah. Cause that, that little Island is all, mostly artificial. Mm-hmm. Like the ground, the ground is all that, that Vex cubes that they make. So, all right. So on to Firebase Adelphi. Quote at the beginning is it's empty for now, like a ghost town, but for how long and why? Then there's no name on that quote. Area designation, Firebase Delphi. Location, Eos Charisma Mars or 
Yeah. When the cabal decide to hold an area, they dig in deep. It's surprising, then, that the tunnel system at Firebase Delphi is woefully incomplete by Sand Eater standards. One theory is that it was built simply to be inspected, to satisfy some commander's lack of aggression or on another front. Perhaps the Cabal simply cut their losses once they realized that the location of the base was suboptimal, although half measures are really not something we're known for. We're talking about a culture with well that will grind a mountain to dust rather than build around it. So it just seems from this grimoire that they made it, didn't actually finish it, and went, eh, eh, never mind, which is very uncharacteristic of the Cabal. They're like, we're going to do this, we're going to do it right, and we're going to go until we die. Um, so um, this map um, is kind of, it's your basic Crucible map. you got some cool low underground tunnels to go around and some in the back. Um, I admit, the tunnels in the back where the doors are, I always want to go past those doors. I want to know what's on the other side. <laughs> so, um, right. but yeah. Um, the, so the Eos Chasma is actually, it actually is a canyon. It's part of, well, it's in the Southern part of a canyon system within on Mars. Uh, I think it's Val's Marineris in, uh, it's basically it's the MC 19 region of the planet Mars. That's about as far as I know on that. The other connection that I have here is Delphi, uh, which if you are a aware of any Greek mythology is a rather important area. Um, that is the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, and, in in mythology, this was like basically the connection point for um, for Apollo. Uh, so this was this was the area that Apollo would speak to his to his oracle, and people would travel to to hear his his wisdom and his words. Um, oh, thank you, Hurt Chain. Uh, Valis Marineris the or Mar- Marineris, um is the largest canyon in the solar system. So wow, it is. That's that's Oof. where that is. Um, yeah, and so the one of the one of the things that people kind of point out was the cabal found the Oracle of Delphi. They got marked. They're dead. <laughs> they, pissed off, they pissed off the wrong Oracle, um, which explains why they're not done digging because they they defaced the Oracle. Um, yeah, so that yeah. You know, sometimes the Cabal kind of remind me of the dwarfs in Lord of the the Rings Mm -hmm. more sometimes. How they're just, especially with this one, they just want to keep digging and they want all the spoils for themselves. And they're very stubborn on how they feel. And they kind of, you know, Cabal kind of remind me in stature of a dwarf. Kind of big and husky, Mm -hmm. but they're tall. All right, continuing on. Well, and you know, the the other thing I was just thinking, I was just kind of thinking is, you know, the Cabal have always been, the Cabal have always been connected to Rome, and the Vex have always been connected to kind of the Greek mythology. And that kind of actually, to me, in my head, kind of explains the animosity between the two of them, because Rome and Greek... They, 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 the Romans and the Greeks really didn't. I mean, they they coexisted. 
but there was a lot of stress between kind the two of, of them. Yeah. Um, it Well, didn't uh, the Romans kind of came in, I could be entirely wrong, came into the Greek culture and said, okay, we're renaming all your gods. Well, uh, I mean, yes and no. The Romans did that with pretty much everybody. They they kind of just took what they wanted and repurposed it to fit, which is why they they existed for. I mean, they they were very good at adopting things into their culture, which the cabal. Mm -hmm. We don't know enough about their culture, um, but I could see it potentially being the case, especially with like the scions and or the yeah the. Mm -hmm. um, But it it would it would actually be kind of an interesting. It's an also an interesting connection too because I want to say the Oracle of Delphi had an interesting connection to Rome, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, Oh, do you want to Google it? No, it's not. It's it's a it's not like a super big connection. It was like it's just like a small. Oh, uh, it's uh, yeah. No, never mind. It's not. It's not a super big connection. I just found it, and it's <clears throat> the oracle was. It's basically the oracle was also known to early Romans. Uh, Roman Rome's seventh and last king, Lucius Tarquinius Superbus. Well, after witnessing a snake near his palace, sent a delegation, including two of his sons, to consult the oracle. So hmm. they they knew of the oracle, but there I, I was I was wondering if there was animosity between you know a, a, in within the uh, mythology of Delphi and the Romans. So I'm not seeing anything. So we go to the next fun one. <sighs> um and that is pantheon and the quote on this one is take not for granted what you cannot see what is what it is was not always and may not ever be the area designation is pantheon location the black garden mars deep within the endless channels of black garden an ancient vexed temple sets high on a plateau buzzing with an anonymous messages Fearing that the minds which live within seek to return, the Crucible has set up shop here to master the ins and outs of Vex-controlled landscapes and keep watch should any Vex find a way back. Dual purpose. Yep, dual purpose. Um, There is an interesting connection. Uh, A lot of people call them the Vex ducks. Uh, There are little itty-bitty cubes that kind of crawl around in Pantheon, and it kind of almost reminds me of the oddly colored cube which is a artifact. I want to say, let me make sure I got this right. It is a warlock artifact. And this is where we are introduced to, well, not introduced, but this is another connection to Glida. Uh, died to, and it says Glida died to bring these cubes back from Venus. And I still don't know why. And that's from Disponia Core. Uh, Glida is actually the only other guardian whom Banshee created a custom weapon for, and that's Glida Tuyet, as in the fire team Tuyet, which was the fire team who was destroyed on Venus pursuing what was believed to be the Vex class and trying to recreate it, um, which also leads to us getting the pocket infinity. Um, mm. There is an interesting connection also here because pantheon is a roman temple which is it's now a church that is located in rome italy um 
and it's just a it's it was it's if you've ever seen pictures it's an amazing construction uh really really interesting it's one of the earliest uses of concrete if i remember off the top of my head the other fun fact here is Despoigna is actually the daughter of Demeter and Poseidon. Um, so this is another nod to the mythology with the oddly oddly colored cube. So there's a, there's actually a lot of mythological connections within the Pantheon card, just you know hidden within the names and what's in the actual map. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, yeah, it, it points to, again, the dual purpose of the crucible um, and the nod that there are still, you know, active messages going back and forth within the Vex and the Black Garden. Mm-hmm. I also hate this map. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. <clears throat> I really do. I saw every time that this map comes up as the one that we're playing on i'm like no i don't want to play i don't want i don't want to i'm just gonna sit here and talk to these little vex ducks and have my own little conversation go away <laughs> just I, leave me alone I, I i i you know those starting platforms you know how you start on this higher platform you just stay up there that. sometimes i stay up there and i've actually tried to jump <laughs> to other parts to see if i can explore like some weird part of the map and I've never been successful because, you know, architects and invisible ceilings. So <laughs> and then my team is just like, what are you doing? I'm like, Shut up. I'm, I'm looking around. I don't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well on this map. Oh, <laughs> well, and the reason the reason I brought up the Pantheon, um, the architecture in Rome is on the Grimoire card. If you if you look at the Grimoire card, that that arch, that arc uh, that you see the Black Garden Pass, which, by the way, looks really yep. f- similar to the Dark Tower, but I'm not going to go down that road. Um, <laughs> that arch is very reminiscent of the actual Pantheon arch. Uh, yep. So that is a very and, you know, just having actually had the chance to walk inside the Pantheon is an amazing building. And it's the architecture is just breathtaking. And so the fact that they've kind of modeled a bit of this off of it is it's, it's just really cool. Um, but yeah, so that's Pantheon. And I think the last map on Mars is what is that? Timekeeper. Timekeeper. Yeah. I'm trying to look at a picture of it. Cause I'm try- I do not remember this one. Okay. Gears are busted, but if this clock ever starts ticking, well, we'll be out of luck and out of time. Another mysterious structure built by the Vex millennia ago or to come. The rogue warlock Osiris once theorized that this place and others like it were tuned to react only with the presence of darkness itself. So it's really interesting that they're saying that this is a clock that we have no idea what it is and what it's supposed to be doing, or what it's counting down to, or if it's even actually working. Um, and then uh, we have Osiris in here also theorizing that it, the structure will only actually do something within the presence of darkness itself. So mm-hmm. I, I guess the darkness either has not come to it, um, or it has, and that's why we see it moving, or clicking, or not ticking. Mm-hmm. So... 
Interesting. I don't really remember this map. Maybe this is the map I was trying to explain earlier and I was incorrect. I'm trying this to find is, this is the multi-level one. It's annoying, but it's got like like itty-bitty rooms all over the place. I think Crimson Doubles was on this one, if I remember right. Oh, actually, I think this was the one I was trying, I thought was Bastion, but it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because this one has the donut arms. in it. Yeah, this one has, this one has the, this is the one that has the hole in the floor that they can jump up and they're mm, really annoying because yeah. you'll be chasing someone and they all of a sudden disappear because they mm-hmm. jump down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Salvage on this map is a nightmare. Because there's I don't a, think I've ever played salvage on this map. Oh god, there's nooks and crannies everywhere. I uh, I will take your word for it because that sounds like a nightmare. It's, 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 it's so <laughs> annoying. Like you're trying, like when you're trying to attack a point, and they're just like boop boop. They like just duck and they're gone. And it's like bless it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that ends all of the Mars maps, and actually, you know. The thing is, is after this, most of the planet's areas really are pretty quick. Uh, Earth and Mars have the most maps. We have a Mm -hmm. total of about 29 maps, if you count the SRL maps. And Earth has nine and Mars has seven. So we're going to jump. You want to jump into Mercury really Mm -hmm. fast. We'll start up with everyone's favorite, the Burning Shrine. And the quote on this one is, they do not simply invade new worlds, they infect them, remaking them in their image until only the Vex remain. Um, Area designation, the Burning Shrine, location, Fields of Glass, Mercury. The clock, this clockwork impossibility is but one small conduit in a vast network extending throughout the dead planet's core. The unknown energies and complex mechanics of the shrine have been studied and mapped by the curious, yet its purpose remains a mystery. The only truth that can be agreed upon is that the structure is intimately tied to the past and future of one of our greatest enemies, the Vex. The shrine has been claimed as a battleground for the Crucible in an effort to familiarize guardians with both Vex architecture and the otherworldly energies that signal their presence. Having a constant flow of combat-ready guardians on hand should the shrine ever achieve a higher functionality is simply a strategic byproduct of the Crucible's presence. Again, dual purpose. Yep. Um, This is actually a a card that has led a lot of people to theorize that the recreation of worlds, or not recreate, well, yeah, I guess technically recreation, the remaking um, of worlds is actually a, a, a literal infection. Um, they, they are literally changing the components of the world. And some people have have posited and I'm kind of in agreement with them that they are actually making the worlds into a supercomputer. So that, you know, that a, may- no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to say, and specifically this one, if you pay attention to the ground mm-hmm. within the areas where the quote Vex structure is, the ground is black sand and it's sparkly and it has this weird type of little luminescent to it. Just oh, like, like the little know, ducks. Silica. Yeah. Mm, just, you know, Point out, but then if you go outside of the Vex structure, the ground is not 
black anymore. It is like the reddish sandy color that you kind of see on Mars. I always thought that was really interesting how within the actual structure, you have a completely different type of material on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, it, it's very obvious that it's a different material, not just some type of, oh, we're just, you know, it's black on the ground, but it's, it's, it's a sand. It's like a black, shiny sand. Right. Or it, it could be, I mean, because it's called the fields of glass. So, I mean, it mm-hmm. glass is technically sand. Um, if True. You, if you heat sand up enough, it will glass. It'll turn to glass, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's just this card, it, it points out a lot about the Vex, actually, and why they, you know, there's a, there's, it, it opens up the possibility of maybe them remaking worlds into literally, literally a network. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and I know, I, yeah, Hurt and Chad is talking about there's there's a th- his theory of um, Mercury being in multiple states, which are all collapsed into one physical space, uh, which basically hmm. allows for the appearance that Mercury is in multiple locations at the same time. Um. So again, when you're when you're dealing with an entity that is capable of temporal manipulation. There's a lot of things. Clockwork impossibilities are no longer impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Vex. (laughs) Oh, how you Vex us. (laughs) The puns are starting already. Uh, Yes. So let us go to one of our only other maps that we currently have on Mercury, and that is Vertico. Area designation, Vertico. Location, Calaris Basin, Mercury. Calaris? Yes. Calarius. Yeah. God, these words sometimes are just throwing me through lips, and I just cannot pronounce them correctly. I'm so sorry. When the Vanguard launched... It's launched its first waves of exploratory ships to Mercury. It found that the cabal fascination with the Vex isn't contained to the war fronts off Mars. The Guardians discovered a small fleet of cabal dropships hanging in place alongside a collection of unique structures. The propulsion systems were salvaged and sequenced to keep the ships there indefinitely. The fate of the cabal is as mysterious as Vertico itself. The Guardians detected no catastrophic malfunction, no disease, and no bodies aboard any of the fully supplied ships. As for the structure, upon recent inspection by Lord Shax himself, the Crucible Handler sent a recommendation to Commander Zavala and the Speaker. Quote, the, vertali- the vertitali- verticality will do wonders for new recruits. It's time to fight. End quote. So uh, this one is really i feel much closer um to i guess the the edge of its atmosphere if mercury even has a full atmosphere which i don't think it does but assuming we're not gonna even go there so um i if you notice on on vertigo that they have it's it's clearly vex i mean you have vex structures in it within the the little portal that you go through and then you have this random platform that has a cabal platform um i want to say don't you see some cabal no they said there was no but no body and no disease but wasn't there some like some black splatter on that that platform maybe indicating there was some type of battle or something. I could be entirely mistaken and remembering things wrong, but I honestly don't remember. I don't really pay attention most time because I hang out in one area on this map and that's at the teleporter. 
I just hang out like on point A and just wait for people to come out the teleporter. Oh. 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 So I'm that person. <laughs> you're you're that type of I'm, person. I'm that person. Well, I'm the one that goes that way. Hi. Yeah. This um, is definitely um, it, it is weird if you look out from this map as well, you see a lot of similar structures out in the horizon, out in the in the thing, out in space atmosphere whatever um and it's a weird that you can't see the actual surface of mercury because you're so far up you're literally i mean you, if you look at the picture on the grimoire card it's it's almost indicating like hey we're like literally on top of the sun so um, yeah yeah I know. it's, I it's like a fun it's a fun map you will yeah. you will totally get vertigo though like I mean, you will. I know people who have played when we first when they first released this map. I know people who actually got vertigo from it because of Are all you the serious? jumping. Yeah, because of all the jumping and spinning that you have to do to keep track of people. Um, huh. Yeah, or there there were a couple of people that I know that got actual vertigo from it. But hmm. so I mean, the so that that's actually it for Mercury currently. Um, if I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now, there are two maps for Mercury that we're going to get with the rise of iron, uh, that mm-hmm. we don't have the grimoire cards for, uh, we don't have those yet, but the first one is floating gardens. Uh, the cool thing about floating gardens is it confirms a bit about the Vex because it is the location where the Vex go to recycle themselves. And we actually, there is actually a going to be a actual waterfall of Vex milk, um, and then there is a map for the PlayStation players called Icarus. And all we know about that one is there's a, 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 a we just know the geography. There's not really anything that I think we know lore wise from that. Um, and real quick, because I completely forgot to make this comment before we left the Mars one, we are going to get one more map for Mars in Rise of Iron. And that's going to be Skyline, uh, and it's going to be a uh, receiving area for Clovis Bray that looks over the b- buried city. So Ooh. we'll get that one. And then apparently there's a big hologram of Mars and the Traveler in the center of the map, which kind of sounds interesting. Uh, huh. So that's, yeah, that's it for Venus. Like I said, there's not a not a lot Mercury. on. Or, God, yeah, thank you. Wow. <laughs> we haven't you. done Venus yet. <laughs> we haven't done Venus too soon. yet. We'll too get soon, there. Too soon. <laughs> um, so let's jump to the moon real fast. Uh, this is a an infamous map. People people have strong opinions on this map. Uh, sadly, it's... Really? Yeah, there's, there's people who love this map, and there's people who absolutely hate this map. Um, and that map is First Light. And the quote that says... The Earth shines so bright from here. Area designation First Light. Location Maricognitum, Earth's Moon. What was once an unassuming ex- exobotany laboratory complex turned into ringside seats to the end of the world during the collapse. Immense fissures in the moon's crust spew a sickly yellow miasma and hint at the utter destruction going on deep beneath the surface. Whatever the hive are up to, they've been at it for a long time, and they're not overly concerned with keeping Luna in one piece. So, nod here to the fact that the moon 
that we call the Earth's moon might not actually be the Earth's moon. It might be the Hive's moon. And they've been at it for a long time, which is also uh, Ghost Fragments, uh, Sea of Whispers, I think is the one that <clears throat> talks about the the skeletons underneath the the surface. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this this was this was another one of those maps that was was rather large. It was a it's a rather large map, and it was a vanilla yep. map. Sadly, we don't, it I don't see it. I don't see it as much. I know I haven't seen it in rotation in God since maybe like the first of the year. I think it was the last time I actually seen it in Crucible rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you don't see it. I, 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 the last time I saw it, we were playing Control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, a Control was really was really popular. On right. This one. Yeah, I I don't mind this map. I like the fact that it's really big. So um, I also think it's interesting that you that, that whatever they were experimenting on 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 Mar- on Mars God on Luna um, that there was a garden there like mm-hmm. they were seeing if they can grow things on yeah, it, the planet. And, well, and that's that's a good point. Exobotany is uh, a branch mm-hmm. of botany that kind of centers around the concept of alien plant life. Uh, ah. So it's it's. Uh, kind of I, I think it's like xenobotany i want to say but exobotany is kind of um obviously a science fiction concept yeah hmm. interesting all right so our next one anomaly i'm not a huge fan of this one my clan is really loves this map i'm yeah anomaly or the anomaly excuse me quote our greatest enemy is the unknown unquote Area designation, anomaly. Location, Mare Cognitium, Earth's moon. Documents recovered on-site listed this research station only as K1. Although the location was hard to keep secret given the intense electromagnetic fluctuations emanating from what city scholars have come to know as the anomaly. Attempts to scatter the anomaly itself have proven futile. As the casings in is the the gosh, sorry, as the cases is constructed in a manner that defies modern techniques. Reports suggest that those who spent time in proximity to the anomaly reported symptoms of insomnia, some so severe they require hospitalization. It was the city's recommendation that only remote sensing equipment be used until such time that a full review of the existing data could be completed. In the meantime, stewardship of the facility was handed over to the Guardians in order to maintain a watch against the Hive forces that will inevitably come in search of this mysterious power. Again, dual purpose. Um, <laughs> this one is definitely feels more of like, okay, we're here just to keep an eye on this like strange thing and make sure no one wants to come get it because we have no freaking clue what this is. Um, for those of you who aren't completely familiar with the map, it's... Um, basically it is a research station very much has that feel. And then in the very center, there's this weird hexagon um, 3d structure that is kind of consistently scanned. It looks like throughout Mm -hmm. the whole entire map it is moving. So um, it is interesting. It makes you wonder what exactly it is. Mm -hmm. Is there any theories? There's, there is a couple. Um, The one that I think holds a lot of water is that it is an abandoned war mine facility. 
Um, That's what I was kind of thinking too. Because <laughs> if you if you look if you look around, um, and it's hard in this map because it's so close quarters that you really can't look around without getting shot. But if you look over the doors, especially, you'll see um, the symbols for war mines. You'll see Rasputin's, yeah. and then you'll see other ones. Um, it's uh, there's there's a lot of people who kind of think that maybe this was like a literal meeting place for the war mines. Like they would remote in, and this was a repository for their information. Something you know similar to the world's grave for the hive. Um, this is there's there's people you know that think that it could be something that Rasputin and the other war mines were, you know, kind of creating and toying with, um, even maybe a potential baby war mine for the moon. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of theories on what exactly this is. This could be the CPU of a war mind or a baby war mind that's, you know, subservient to the other war mines because it's on the, um, on the moon, on the moon. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of theories about what the anomaly is and, um, but it, it's definitely connected to war mines. It's this, yeah. this is a facility that is definitely connected to war mines. Yeah. I, I definitely got that feel too. Cause there's a lot of the, the infrastructure and the designs of the infrastructure are very similar to when you go into the rescue unit area as well. Um, and yeah. if you notice, a lot of the war mine stuff has that hexagon. Right. It's also got that everything. Um, that paneling that the hexagon yeah. is made out of. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. I was thinking the same thing. I just wanted to <laughs> see if my brain was going in the right direction there. So, um, yeah. Do you want to take the cauldron? Yeah. Let's talk about the dark side of the moon. Um, that is the cauldron. <laughs> says we have a quote from Archite 9940 it says every inch of this place feels wrong tainted makes your light itch just ignore it and keep firing area designation the cauldron location the dark side moon the warlock's most lucid theories assert this crumbled husk of a hive ritual site is one of many ceremonial transmogrification chambers hewn beneath the moon's crust now secured and maintained by the crucible, scheduled study of its remnants suggests a sacrificial purpose, where other forms of life were just given an audience with the reigning monarch and judged before the power of the darkness. I actually really like the history of this place mm-hmm. a lot. It's, it's like really a, yeah, no, it's it's like a satellite court of oryx. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And even the structure of it, it doesn't feel like a lot of the other, um, the other, like the, the dungeons and, and stuff like that. It, it definitely feels much more sinister. There's a lot more play on shadows and stuff. And it doesn't, it has, it's cold feeling. Like I, I didn't, when you're, I, when I, at least for me, when I like you're in the dungeons and stuff, like it feels like hive, but it feels alive if that makes any sense mm-hmm. like you have that that hive feel to it you have like those green and yellow hues that the hive have where this one it just feels cold and dead like most of the light is kind of blue very shadowy and i always thought that was kind of a cool interesting take on this area because in life i feel like a lot of the hive places don't necessarily are that well at least the ones that are still really active within the hive you know so 
Yeah. And I just really, you know, transmogification, um, it's, it's a word that many people, especially MMO players, uh, like world of Warcraft people will recognize what transmogification is. Um, but it actually, it, it, the word actually means to change or transform into a different shape, especially a grotesque or bizarre one. Hmm. So it's, it's, which actually fits with the hive, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. that, that actually really fits transmogification in games usually just means you can change the appearance of your weapons and armor. That's, that's usually what so, it is. And it may, I'm, I'm probably entirely wrong on this thinking, but is this maybe the possible an area for which early hive before they're actually guests considered hive for which they take in their worm and then now they're no longer their former species? They are now a hive, and this is that site where that ritual actually it happens. Could, I mean, it's possible. The other thought that I was having is we know so. We know that the moon is inhabited by Crota. Um, yes. We know that Oryx has a court that kind of does what this thing does. So this mm-hmm. could literally be a reflection of Crota creating a court for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just like, dad do, wants one. Well, I, I mean, to do, to do the <laughs> same thing, you know, because they, they all need tribute. Um, mm-hmm. and this is literally, I mean, it's where other, it's, they say where other forms of life were giving an audience with the reigning monarch and judge before the power of the darkness. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it could be, it could be something on that Crota was doing to help create tribute for himself, similar to the way that Oryx does with his court. With his court, yeah. Or it could be, you know, there's a theory that the moon was actually a war moon from the books of sorrow. So it could be something that this was an early rendition of the, the courts prior to the dreadnought. Um, you know, there's, Hmm. there's, there's a lot of theories that you could go down with the cauldron. Hmm. It's also one that they don't actually put in rotation much anymore either. I don't Mm -hmm. see it very often. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I do not either. Okay. So that finishes off the moon for us. That does. It takes us yeah. out to the reef. Ooh, the reef. Oh, this is like one of my favorite maps. Like literally one of my favorite maps. The Drifter. Area designation, the Drifter. Location, Founderlings Gray, the reef. Hive insertions in reef space are rare, but as with all wounds the hive inflict, their effects linger. The Drifter is a catch that faced such infaction. The attack rendered its uh, its servitor inoperable, overwhelming all self-repair subroutines. So what remains has quietly been added to the graveyard encircling the reef. Lord Shax decreed live combat within the layout of such a prominent fallen ship design would be valuable. And the Crucible claimed it soon after with no word of disapproval from the shattered reef. So basically he's saying like, hey, this is a fallen ship. It will give us strategic advantage in learning how fallen ships are kind of structured um, and stuff of that nature, from what I gather. And the reef's just kind of like, eh, all right, whatever. We don't really care. <laughs> we it's, don't care. It's, um, it doesn't serve us any purpose anyway, which is very, very Mara and Awoken ish. Like, oh, that doesn't help us with our main objective. <laughs> you so play you with can... trash. That's nice. <laughs> that's cute. Have fun, Guardians. 
<laughs> uh, it, the uh, the note that I would like to make here too is that the the servitor that was made inoperable. I'm pretty sure that's what's the moving piece in the center. If you really look yes. at it, that's the servitor, which mm-hmm. actually points to what servitors do on catches. They are they are basically jacked into this the ship. And it kind of shows you what we already, well, we already knew that the servitors were used for navigation purposes, but this actually shows mm-hmm. you how they were used for navigation purposes. Mm-hmm. And definitely on this map, if you look at it, it does feel like the front part of a ship because there's the huge glass, I'm assuming it's glass, um, front part of mm-hmm. the map. Um, and then you have the server in the center and there's like this huge computer around it, which you maybe kind of assume is maybe like kind of like the deck for which people are working on to move the skiff around or the catch around. So yeah. um, I don't know. I like this map. I mean, it's one of the few ones that are giant circles. So, um, and I like the close quarters of it too. So, but um, yeah. Drifter. And that is the only map that we have over in the reef. Over is there the any reef. word on on no, more uh, maps? The only other map that we're getting for Rise of Iron is for Venus. Ooh. So no more reef maps. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> not not yet at least. Um maybe that, at some point. That brings us to a couple people's, you know, absolute detestable map, the Cathedral of Dusk out in the Dreadnought. Um and really? yeah, there's, I think, I think Mesa, Mesa and K-Dub, I think are the ones that they absolutely hate this map. Oh, so this is their, this is like my pantheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, uh, I like, see, we, I like this one. We, we, we usually do pretty well in this one. We're like, Ooh, cathedral. Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny how, how, how different we, how much we like certain maps. It makes me wonder if like, the the environment in your in the different systems like on the different server systems how different their crucible environments are mm-hmm. you know i think so. I, now i kind of want to play on a, on the xbox to see what <laughs> crucible is like <laughs> i feel like it's an all-new world that i have an experience with in destiny <laughs> well yeah it, it has all the awesome people in it hey <laughs> hey, we have exclusive maps, and I don't even know what to say. I mean, you guys call yourself lore buffs, and you haven't even been on these maps, so I don't. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. So the Cathedral of Dusk, a quote from Lord Shax says, The impact of Orc's arrival was immediate. He was all full of bluster and noise. We took offense, and that wasn't all we took. Area designation, Cathedral of Dusk, Dreadnought, Rings of Saturn. As soon as the first Guardians penetrated the Dreadnought, Shax's Red Jacks launched a boarding party to Oryx's fortress. By war's end, they'd fought all the way to the ship's impossible weapon, the Dark Ordnance that obliterated the Awoken fleet. It was there that they found what the Warlocks named the Cathedral of Dusk, a hive burial site for, what, a former master of Oryx, a comrade, lover? It was vile and obvious that Oryx never expected the light to reach so deep inside his throne to such an intimate space. But he didn't expect a lot of things, like a guardian trading ground atop the husk of his dead ship. <laughs> Just love the like absolute sense of F.E. from the Red Jacks. It's like, not only are we going to beat you, no, we're going to take all your stuff. 
Like we're just yeah. going to just take this, this, and we're going to take this and we're going to take, Oh, we're not supposed to play here. Tough. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You're going to come chase my, you're going to come eat my light. Yeah. I want to see you try. See, you see this, you see this, uh, the site of burial you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna shoot it with my gun and you're gonna <laughs> like it <laughs> and then i'm gonna drop little orbs of light all over it yeah, that's, you don't that's have to the, do anything about it <laughs> that's the other thing it's like oh we're literally <laughs> i'm not gonna finish that sentence but yes <laughs> we're dropping orbs of light that's that's the polite way of doing that but yeah um <laughs> so you know we don't we don't know who this burial area the site is for is it for nocris is it for you know someone that we don't know um we we literally don't know um mm-hmm. it could be a, a a place that it does haunt he's supposed to do homage to akka you know you mean it could be anything yeah and it's interesting that this is one of the few areas that are very clean. You know, like a lot of hive places, they have like those little hive barnacles and stuff, you know, the off hive-y, on the, the side. The hivey hiveness is just the hivey hiveness. Yeah. So um, this one, it's very clean. If I, I don't know if that's just coincidence. Um, no, I mean, I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's also probably a nod to maybe how much it's used. Mm hmm. They're like, oh, this is Oryx's place. We need to keep it clean. Don't leave your your hive barnacles around, guys. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like that. He's, he's gonna get he's gonna get mad at us. Um, I know. So, and then right. the other one out in the rings of Saturn is the dungeons. Yeah. So it starts with a quote, and it says, "Let us take what we can. You just wait. Pretty soon, we'll be holding matches atop of Oryx's throne." Lord Shacks. Area designation, the Dungeons. Location, Rings of Saturn. Space-faring hive vessels containing live components, and like the hive themselves, are a terrifying amalgam of predator genetics, arcane bioengineerics, and what we must consider as hive incarnate. The Lord Shacks and his red jacks have proven even a hive ship can be tamed. Again, the um, red jacks are kind of here, and you're like, you see this? You this thought this was yours. That's cute. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine. It is now mine. <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing about the dungeons is that this is actually not on the dreadnought. This is actually a separate ship that they took. Huh. If I, I, if I remember that. that correctly, I, I want to say that this is a captured warship. This is not actually on the dreadnought. Huh. I always assumed it was on the dreadnought being that, you know, rings of Saturn. It looks like a dreadnought. Yeah. But, well, I mean, huh. but it, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the other warships, they all look like miniature versions of the, the dreadnought. Yeah. So. Even that, the structure within the moon that you can see when you're overlooking has the same type of architecture right. on it. Well, and which, that's, that's an interesting point because, you know, in Hertz talking about it in chat right now is the hive literally mm-hmm. grow their own spaceships. Like yeah, the barnacles are they they are actually growing these things, um, mm-hmm. which really reminds me a lot of the Yuuzhan Vong from Star Wars. But we're not going to go down that connection either. 
All right. So now now we're on Venus. Yay. <laughs> so let's start off with Asylum. Um, <sighs> quote here is, there used to be life here. Now it's just overgrowth. Area designation Asylum. Location Ishtar Sink Venus. Before the collapse, this would have just been another stop on the subway line between Clovis Bray's Venus Arcology Headquarters and the Academy Campus by the shore. Now, it's a grim reminder of the lives, the dreams, and the progress we lost when the darkness came. For the Guardians of the Crucible, it's a place to sharpen their blades in the shadow of the Vex, an enemy who knows no such sentimentality. I This one, I think, is one of the most creepy maps on all the crucible because it literally feels like everyone that inhabited this place just stopped what they were doing that day and just disappeared. Like there was some type of rapture, the Mm -hmm. darkness rapture occurred and everyone was gone. Um, I mean, the lights are still going. Um, You can see ATM machines still blinking, waiting for you to like insert your card to get money out of. And, you know, if you look at the picture on the Grimmer card, you see that the cafe sign is still lit up. And then there's people who uh, are dead in their cars with their stuff, like they're trying to evacuate the area. Um, Yeah. So this, this, this space is, I think, really creepy to be walking around in. (laughs) Yeah. And and the other, the, the interesting note that I always hear, or I always see when we talk about asylum is actually the word asylum. Um, Asylum is, you know, a lot of people, instantly connected to the insane asylum, you know, which is kind of Mm -hmm. a, it's an obsolete institution, um, really. But even, even before that asylum from antiquity was actually a place of refuge in ancient, like Greece and Rome. Um, Mm -hmm. And even, you know, they, they had entire cities of refuge, especially in like the Judea areas. Um, But asylum was a, was actually a right a church asylum or sanctuary is a right to be safe from arrest in the sanctuary of a church or a temple. And that, that was kind of, you know, the antiquity meaning of the word asylum. So that's actually, it's an interesting thing because this is the exact opposite of an asylum. It's a Mm -hmm. grim reminder of everything that was lost. So, but at the same time in, in like the, the iteration that we have, it's kind of it kind of it it is an asylum from the vex because the vex you know it's they say we're in the shadow of the vex so it's an mm-hmm. asylum yeah hurt just beat me to it it's an asylum from the <laughs> vex infection yeah you know you, we have we have this asi- this area of refuge from the vex in which we can we can practice without without reasonable fear mm-hmm that gives us that brings us to the other SRL SMR. map. Yep. Infinite Descent. Be brave and fast, Guardian. Racing is about more than running away. Amanda Holiday. Some might see racing through the heart of Vex territory as foolhardy. When Shaq sent his Red Jacks to mark up the SLR tracks on Venus, however, he ordered them to find a location worthy of bravest and most skilled guardians. So he literally told his Red Jacks, go out and find an area that is kind of overrun with things because we want it to be a challenge and entertaining. So, um, yeah. I, I Out of the two SLR maps, this one, I, I'm not as fond as this one. Really? Um, but 
Yeah, I like the Mars one a little bit more. There's I so actually, many despite, shortcuts on this one. Yeah, there are a lot of shortcuts, but I mean, as much as people distest those fans, I like those fans oh, on the other one. I was going to say the fact that they're not fans on this one is what makes it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, so I, I like I like this map. This map was. This was the one. Isn't this the one with the the catch that you can jump on top of? I believe so, yeah. Because there's like a, a point where you can go through one of the things and if you catch it right, you can mm. bounce off the catch and then go over that shortcut. So you don't have to do that 90 degree turn and the other 90 degree <laughs> turn, which I ran into every single time. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I cursed and I went, I'm not playing this stupid racing part anymore. I want to go shoot so you, things. You didn't, you weren't a fan of Star Wars Pod Racer on the N64, I take it. No, I actually was one of those very unfortunate kids. I didn't get an N64 until way after like the era of 64 was over. Ah. So, oh, okay. I, it's I, a skiff. It's a skiff. Sorry. Skiff. Thank you. Thank you, Hurt Chain. Um, thank you. <laughs> it's a little one, but it, but it it's it's a ship that you can jump you can jump on the back of it and run you can drive across it. So. Yeah, at least at least I remember yeah. it being there. So, all right, let's see what do we got next. Shores of Time. This is a fun one. Pajari really liked this place. Uh, Shores of Time. Quote: All power is humbled when weighed against the eternal tide. Area designation, Shores of Time, location, Matmans, Venus. The sulfur caves along the shores of time are now too unstable to be an effective base of operations for the Vex, but they suit the purposes of the Crucible just fine. The region, which also houses the remains of one of the Ishtar Collective's many research stations, is a mix of geological chaos and the structured intent of ancient Vex machinery. The contrast between jagged, boiling terrain and the measured purpose of each Vex surface creates a unique battlefield, one where the planet itself seems to have risen up in defiance of the Vex intrusion. So I, I, I love this map. Because it's got some really cool connections in the lore. Uh, when we talk about Pajari leaping from the shores of time to mm-hmm. be a Thanatonaut, this is literally the. Uh, this is what he's jumping. He's jumping off a of point B. It's all yep. but confirmed. I'm in my opinion. And I want to say this is the very first map that anyone ever played on in the beta right i never played the beta so <gasps> ah uh i i want to say this is the map that they released in the beta so this is the first map you ever saw in in destiny so um yeah which i think is kind of fun so uh that it's like our last map but it's like the first map <laughs> that was that was totally intention not at all um, the, i thought you were being clever <laughs> um there is there is the one map that we know we'll be getting from the rise of iron in the ishtar sink and that is the map that's called the last exit uh basically hmm. all we know is that it's a subway station that's kind of falling apart there's an outdoor plaza area and then it drops off into an ocean um, 
Ooh. we don't really have we don't really have anything beyond that other than that uh just that geographical explanation um but yeah that's that's pretty much all the maps that we currently have available um before i run through the gladiatorial connection i'm trying to think if we have I'm trying to think if we have anything else. Oh, there was there was a note that I had for the drifter, and I apologize for not catching this while we were talking about it. There is an insignia outside the throne room on Simic's Fell that is the same or similar to the house banner on the catch, um, and I don't know if there's any information on it. Um, I just had a note that that's a possible similarity there on the drifter. Um, so just a, a little trivia connection there. Um, one map we didn't go over was Thiefsden. Yes. I just realized that I forgot that one. Do we want to pull up Thiefsden yes. real quick? Let's pull up Thiefsden because okay. blue scrambles and drops balls when he doesn't have time to put notes together. Okay. Thiefsden. Whose house? Our house. <laughs> Crucible Reclamation and Security Squad C-18 Green upon clearing the Thieves' Den for Crucible. Following the defeat of the House of Winter's Ruthless Kell, Dracus, Guardians found a number of abandoned fallen enclaves throughout the Ishtar Sink. Most were cleared out, but this recently active fallen hideout remained mostly intact, complete with the idling skiff and constant reminders of the fallen's presence. I love this map. It, I think it's a really fun map that it ha- I mean, it's, it, it definitely doesn't have like your traditional lanes. Like a lot of the other ones have. Um, and the fact that there's just like the skiff just sitting there, like waiting for them to come back. And for some reason, never runs out of energy, I guess, to not stop running. Um, is kind of, it's kind of fun. And there's a lot of the caverns and stuff that goes in there that makes it a kind of a fun map as well. So, yep. yep Blue, I, are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was just trying to think. I'm trying to think if there's difference between. I mean, obviously, this Crucible Reclamation and Security Squad. I'm assuming they're connected to the Red Jacks, but maybe the Red Jacks is the the scouting team, and then the Reclamation and Security Squad are the cleanup. Oh, you know what? I bet C eighteen green. That makes me think that it's a that it's a um, XO. Not an XO. It's a. I just went blank. Hang on, I'll think of the word a bot. Oh, maybe the combat frames. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, doesn't seem like a quote a combat frame might say though. Uh, Arkite has kind of a snark. Does he? Because mm-hmm. most of the time, everyone I hear them talk, they're just kind of, they seem kind of man, not with it all the time. I don't know. Maybe just because I'm always hanging by the postmaster, and the postmaster is very spacey. <laughs> yeah, and um, it is it is noteworthy here in the Thieves' Den that it was a devil's outpost, if I remember correctly. Um, so it's, it's actually a house of devils 
outpost. If I, I'm trying to remember, because I think, I don't think winter was the predominant presence, but mm-hmm. I know the Kings had area. I know the Kings had some outposts and I'm pretty sure the devils had some outposts too. And I'm trying to just remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Hurt just said that in chat as well. Um, I tried to remember what fly, if there's any banners or anything flying around in that, that area that can give you a little bit of a clue of which place that is. Yeah, and I think I haven't I haven't played a lot on Thieves Dens, but I've I remember I think there's banners on the mid the point the midpoint where the heavy is, I wanna say. But again, I haven't played Thieves Den a lot, so um, this, this is one I'm not that sure I'm not sure on. See. Yeah, I not I, I know you you see like the banners and stuff hanging, but I don't remember actually seeing any symbols on them. I know they're red, but everyone has red with the white writing. If I, unless well, no, devils was always the red. Devils was always the red Mm -hmm. with the white writing. Kings was yellow. Winters was blue. Um, The other interesting thing about Thieves Den it is located on the interior of Ischar, which is the Maxwell Mons Mons, I think. So, so that's actually Mm -hmm. the interior of it. Yeah. Ha! I actually beat Hurt Chain in chat for once. (laughs) So, um, yeah, okay, so let's talk about a couple couple things that are kind of interesting about the Crucible Arenas. Um, First off, the fun, fun thing for me is the entire concept of what Crucible is. Um, and usually what, when you talk about going through a crucible, a crucible is something that you actually, you use to purify things. Um, and so what, what a crucible is, 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 is a container that can withstand very high temperatures and it's used for a number of different things. Historically, they were made of clay and, um, what it was meant was you would collect, you would collect, uh, metal usually uh copper smelting was usually a a very very big form of this um any smelting though and what they would do is they would actually heat up this container that had the fragments of the metal in it and the the metal as it heated it the metal had a lower heating point um than the container and so what would happen is the metal would actually become liquid and as the metal became liquid impurities would rise to the top and so you would you would skim the top of this the liquid metal and it would actually allow you to purify the metal within it and then you would use you would use the the crucible would usually have a connecting spout of some kind and you would actually pour the now purified metal into a cast and then cast the metal into something um which is actually i i used to do this so that's it's a really kind of a cool thing so crucible when you talk about going through a crucible that's that's where that concept comes from is it's it's something that you go through a very hard process in order to purify and to become a better version of yourself uh, from a personal point of view. Now, going back to arenas, this is actually something that is connected to Roman gladiatorial games. Um, and there's a really, really kind of interesting connection between the Crucible 
and not the crucible, the arenas and the iron banner. Um, and the way that I kind of stumbled on this was I was actually looking for a connection between the red jacks and historical connections to the amphitheaters of Rome. There aren't any just uh, save your time. Don't, don't go research that. It's really annoying. Um, but I did find a quote from, uh, the ancient historian Livy and they are talking about the creation of the gladiatorial combats and where the, and where they came from. Um, and this actually kind of all stems from early Romans would use this as a way to educate the masses of Rome about the honor and the historical importance of battles and, and just teach them how to be the perfect citizen within Rome. Uh, you know, a lot of people just see gladiatorial combats and, you know, like the common Spartacus and stuff like that. And that's really, it's, it's kind of a bastardization of the entire concept of the gladiatorial games. Um, so I'm going to walk through just something real quick. And this is all stemmed from one of the first gladiatorial games in which they had actually come up against a, a enemy, which is the Samnites. And this is one of the first wars that Rome had actually gone and like seriously gone head to head with something that actually challenged their, their point here. And it's, and Livy kind of says the Romans had already heard of these splendid accruements, but their generals had taught them that a soldier should be rough to look on, not adorned with gold and silver, but putting his trust in iron and in courage. And the note here is that this really seems to be the attitude of the power matters aspect of the iron banner connection there also in the concept of iron the the thing that kind of sticks out though is that the shaders that we get from the event the iron banner event are gold and silver so if you keep following the quote from livia he goes on and he says this so the romans made use of the splendid armor of their enemies the samnites to do honor to their gods while the compa- the companions in consequence of their pride and in hatred of the samnites equipped after this fashion the gladiator- gladiators who furnished them entertainment at their feast and bestowed upon them the name of samnites so this was actually the introduction of gladiatorial games and the inter- they were introduced as entertainment which if you look at the history of the crucible was kind of what it was it, it's a spectator sport they are you know per- they're theoretically projected onto screens out in the city so that people can actually even bet on the gladiatory or the crucible. So this is this is all to say that they decked the gladiators who were barbarian slaves who fought to the death for the entertainment of citizens in the gold and silver armor fashioned after the Samnites to remind the people of the domination of the iron and native courage of Rome that was over the barbarians even in their exotic armor. So there's a, there's a lot of key words there that kind of trigger that should be triggering some people who play Destiny a lot in there. The fact is is that iron rose above everything. So the rise of iron was explained in early gladiatorial games because the Romans relied on iron as a need to do that. So the other thing is as Rome as Roman conquest grew, the armor worn by gladiators reflected in the increasing variations, all done as a form of historical reenactment to educate and remind the population of the glory of Rome. 
The munis, which is a public work that was provided by individuals of high status or wealth, thus became a place which taught that the only honorable option for these gladiators was to fight well or die well. So it became a crucible for the gladiators within the gladiatorial games. That's all to be. It's also a very strong connection to the crucible that we actually see within the game of destiny. And the interesting thing here too, is that crucible maps are very, very similar to the amphitheaters from Roman culture. Uh, now, and the most common amphitheater in Roman culture is the Colosseum. That's the one that everyone kind of recognizes and, you know, immediately will gravitate to. There actually are over 230 amphitheaters known in the world today. Uh, and they were all major public venues that were circle or oval in plan with perimeter seating tiers. They were used for events such as gladiatorial combat, chariot races, uh, animal hunts, and executions. Gladiatorial combat is very similar to our crucible and our iron banner. Chariot races should make you think of sparrow racing. Now, the sparrow racing was often held in the circuses, which were similar to another structure called a hippodrome, due to the longer track, and a circus was basically the inspiration for a modern stadium. So your stadiums in today's world, those are all inspired by the circuses of Rome. So that's all to say it's an interesting juxtaposition because in Destiny, we want the exotic armor. We want those powerful armors. We want that gold and silver the inspiration for the crucible that, you know, or at least my, what I see as an inspiration to the crucible is really the exact opposite. Roman generals, again, taught them that a soldier should not be adorned in gold and silver, but put, put his trust in iron and his courage. And they, they made a point of decorating the gladiators, gladiators who were the barbarian slaves who were dying and killing and for their entertainment in the, the glamorous armor of the people that they beat to point out the fact that even in exotic armor, they were not going to rise above the iron of the Roman citizens and the Roman population. So that is a giant connection that was made when I was just researching some of the crucible maps and the inspiration for why they were called arenas as well as some of the connections within the amphitheaters and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just, it was, it's a, it's a bit of a head trip. Uh, it's not as bad as the Nietzsche connection that I'll post in the show notes, but the, the kind of funny part is that if you look at Lord Saladin, who heads up the iron banner, his armor is literally gold and silver. So the guardians are basically in, in my mind, are kind of science fiction or futuristic gladiators, which kind of puts it into perspective of the position that we have in the cosmos of the Destiny universe. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking and let, let you... <laughs> that makes, it feel, makes my Guardian feel so much less it's it's, yeah i'm like (laughs) and if you think about it that's kind of what they do they they send the guardians and they're like yeah yeah just go go kill that thing oh you died just you know yeah it's okay just get up it's fine yeah 
It's also interesting to note within the Crucible, um, the the Vanguard. I know Ikora was one of the reasons that she became the Vanguard leader is because she was recognized for her exceeding ability within the Crucible. And mm-hmm. Cade was also one who yep. has been known to be a, a an exemplar in, in the Crucible. And I want to say Zavala was... Too. Well, Zavala just um, proved himself with the war against the war, too. Exactly. Any more of that. But I, I want to say there was something that they I want to hear someone have said. Um, uh, I think Shaq, Shaq says something yeah. like, I would love to see Zavala back into the crucible or something like shows, that. Show these newcomers what it's really like. Right, right. So um, it's interesting when on piggybacking onto your gladiator thing that the ones that are the the one that are considered the best of the best are now the leaders mm-hmm. of the guardians, which um, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with gladiator culture, but isn't that what kind of happened oh, as yeah, well? Yeah. Your, your instructor, yeah. like you would, you would um, theoretically a gladiator could eventually win their freedom from, from slavery. And a lot of them would go on to, you know, become instructors in their own right, or even own their own schools of, of combat within that, you know, and because it, it, it really was, you know, a, a very lucrative business. If you could get a successful team of warriors underneath you, you know, so it, if you could build a house based on this, then then you could actually you could make a good amount of money, um, because what basically would happen is during these moonas is they would they would go and you know approach people and say hey I want to you know I want to have a commemorative munis for this person or this person who fell and it's it's part of a triumph and all this and they would actually hire them and so the 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 owners of these different you know schools these luddai schools um would would bask in the the glory and the the power that their their gladiators would bring them and then they would you know they would make money on top of that and then you know that they it, it became this huge culture that you know you see within like the the presentations of spartacus which is definitely a hollywoodized version of it but it i mean it is pretty accurate you know spartacus did actually exist there was a slave revolt um in that time period that was supposedly around that, that type of storyline. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, it was, it was a culture of just amazing, amazing brutality. And I, I don't mm-hmm. mean, I mean like that sounds like a weird, weird put a weird sentence, but it's just, I mean, I mean to put, to put it in, to put it in context, um, let's say a during during the height of the late Republic, the gladiatorial games just were like ridiculously expensive. Um, so, gladiators and the trainers and owners of the gladiators, basically the politicians, just ate them up. Um, so you you would I mean there's there's cases in which there was a uh, there was I'm trying to remember what exactly it was but it was one of the Ludis 
and like the ceiling cost of these things was like 500,000. Um, and that was, that was like an average bonus. Whereas like an Imperial, like a generous Imperial would be roughly equivalent to $3.6 million. Like, Oh my gosh. They, when I'm talking, when I talk about lucrative business, this is, this is like, this was a very, very, very lucrative business. Um, and that, and that was like 3.6 million for the entire, you know, the entire thing. So that, that wasn't just for the gladiators. That was for, you know, like all the, you know, all the animals, all the, the food, uh, the person hosting the moonus would be responsible for the bread and circuses. It's the, where the, where that concept of bread circus comes from. Um, the lavishness of it was that basically the politician who was hosting the munis would actually pay for all the food and the entertainment for however many days. And the reason that they would do this is to extol their, you know, their wealth and their power. And it was to show off. It was to preen about how important you are. And the Roman population ate it up because they were getting free food and they were getting free entertainment. And it was just, you know, it was, it was a huge, it, it just, you just, got ridiculously ridiculously you know just i I don't want to say flamboyant but it it was just like very pompous it was very 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 big on uh pomp and circumstance it was just i don't know it you can you have cases of just like ridiculous amounts of gold exchanging hands for the munis to be done correctly from just the emperor all the way down to random politicians so wow, I mean they they had cases of anti-corruption laws that were passed specifically for gladiatorial stuff. So I mean it, it was a it was a very 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 important aspect of this culture. So do you feel that the the fact that as guardians um, wearing our faction colors or banner or emblem um, relates back to this culture and to the Munises as a way of showing tribute to certain political. Oh yeah. The factions I mean, factions are, factions. Yeah, factions are so, completely political. Um, yeah. I mean, but so, it also, it, it also kind of makes the, the whole quote from Sagoth's head, you know, the thought we formed the banner to fight the darkness, not ourselves. Right. I mean, cause if you follow the if you follow the arc of the gladiatorial combat, you know, or the gladiatorial um, entertainment st- history, there's a peak, and then there's a decline, and the decline just, I mean, it just you had, you know, you had the the civil wars, you had you know Spartacus coming out, you had all these things just completely destroying things from within, and. You know, it, there was a, there was there's a ton of history that you can get into that led up to the decline of the Roman Empire, um, mm-hmm. but in gladiatorial con- the gladiatorial games led to a lackadaisical nature within the society because of the bread and circuses. So people started right. getting used to being given things and being passed out, and they stopped like really caring. You know, they stopped like they're like, oh, we're Rome, we we deserve this, um, which. <laughs> When when you when you all of a sudden have more mercenaries and gladiators than you do 
citizens who don't know what to do with a sword, that's a problem. So, yeah. Well, I would, I mean, uh, we don't really know for sure how many survivors are still around. We see the city down below, but I mean, if there really is supposed to be as many guardians as there are actual guardians that are people playing, then I would say that, yeah, the guardians maybe outnumber the people that are alive. I mean, the thing, and the thing about the guardians is even if you don't outnumber them, you can't die. Yeah, it you doesn't can't. matter. I mean, I mean, you can, but it just can. takes I mean, a substantial has to be, amount. But the people on Earth, they don't have that ability. Right. They're not creatures of darkness that can strip our light from us. So, I mean, there's there's literally nothing that they can do. So, um, it's kind of interesting that you brought up this gladiator theory because it's a wonder if it's kind of an indicator for which the way that guardians in the tower and how all this relates um will go down in the future because i i mean i don't know about you but i kind of always feel that at some point they're going to bring in those factions and there's going to actually be more of a civil unrest and it becomes more of like instead of just following what we're supposed to be doing like hey go kill that guy and we go okay we have to more we go is this what we want to do? Is this right. following our moral compass? You become more of an independent three thinker, which Osiris wants you to do mm-hmm. um, instead of just like a yes man of Zavala or Kate or whoever it is. Well, and I mean, so, we've, we've seen, we've seen what happens when a guardian goes rogue. I mean, yeah. Dredgen Yor, he, he went his own path and it wasn't a good path, but Dredgen Yor, you know, he used to be, he used to rule the Crucible. I mean, we have quotes about him being the pinnacle of the Guardians within the Crucible. And when he snapped, he took out a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a matter of Guardians are weapons and you have to remember that, you know, you sharpen, you sharpen a blade. You have to be careful not that, that the blade doesn't get used against you. Mm -hmm. But that all being said, um, the Nietzsche quote is crazy, and I think that people will have a fun read. I know we had fun reading it in our spinfoil chat. So, I'll, <laughs> like I said, I'll link that one. I'll link that one up in the show notes for everybody. And I think, I mean, that really, honestly, I think we managed to cover everything. Lot. Yeah, I, I feel like we pulled any little bit of information or connections out of Crucible Maps, considering we don't really have much to go off of Crucible Maps besides, you know, the Grimmar cards. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping, hopefully, with Rise of Iron, we can go, oh. Well, oh. with Rise of Iron, we're also getting the ability to actually explore. Exactly. That's so. what I was alluding to. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I, I'm following you. I gotcha. So... <laughs> Yep. So. All right. Um, let's see. I just, I really have only one big shout out this episode. Um, well, actually I have, I have a couple. Um, I wanted to give a big shout out to everybody who has had the patience to with us this week. It has been a comedy of errors uh, between <laughs> technology issues and scheduling changes at the last minute. Um, this it's just been kind of crazy. Uh, there's been a lot of things happening, you know, within my personal life that have made getting things for the show a little complicated. So, you know, if there was anything like the thieves den thing, I dropped the ball on that. Um, 
simply because I don't, I didn't have the time I normally have this week. My schedule kind of got suddenly shanghaied by different people. Um, and then also I want to give a big shout. I'm probably going to do this every day, every episode until we get there again, but guardian con 2017, um, there was a giant amount of information dropped uh, a couple days ago. And, if you have at all the capability of going, I cannot recommend more to go. It is a hundred percent worth the time and the energy trying to figure out how to get down there. Um, I know that we are going to try to be there as much as possible. Um, within reason, I know Mel, I know you had a schedule conflict with it that we've, I know, what it was the only weekend, the <laughs> only weekend, the only standing weekend every year. Actually, there's two standing weekends every year that I can't do. It was Memorial Day it was weekend the, and Fourth of July weekend and Destiny Cons on Fourth of July weekend. It was it, they announced the date, so I was like, "Oh, Mel's not gonna be happy." <laughs> but uh, but, but we, we totally yeah. are going to try to get down there. Um, I know Justin and I will be down there again. Um, and I think we're going to try to, we're going to try to have some surprises for people. We got to figure some stuff out, but yes, if you are curious about what all that is, just jump into our discord chat and let us know. We will get you all the information that you need for it, but that's all Do I it. got for you. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any shout outs this, this time. Um, bummed about destiny con though. I mean, it does fall on a Friday, Saturday and my other engagement is Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No, just Tuesday. So, uh, yeah. So there is a possibility that I could fly out for Friday and then take a red eye to LA and be in, in LA. This <laughs> is, this, this is how excited she is to be there. I mean, I I know. I, I I really wanted to go this year. It's just there was not the adulting came first. So um, that didn't happen this year. So I told myself 2017, but now 2017 is trying to throw me a curveball here and I don't appreciate it. So but um, either way, please go. Um, so I definitely want to see this convention grow bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, even if I can't physically be there and physically give it any help. So um, that'd be awesome to see. Uh, Rise of Iron, that's coming out. Where I think we should be counting down now. I mean, like, we have, what, two weeks? Not even one podcast left to yep. record, and then it's Rise of Iron. That's pretty crazy. Ten days Oh, oh man, that makes me excited to sneak about it. I don't know, but like them them uh doing the update last night, I was really excited to see that it's the Rise of Iron logo instead of the Taken King. Mm. Bye Orcs, you're di- you're you're done. So <laughs> I can't wait to get my hand hands on the soundtrack. That's- oh yeah, they they made the announcement that it's coming. And I was like, Oh, we're gonna get in trouble because I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, so. that 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 opening part, that open the new opening music, is really cool. Um, yeah, and if- actually, actually, that's a good point. Speaking of music, be sure to jump in the behind the scenes chat on the Discord chat because that is the topic of our next behind the scenes episode. Is going to be uh, game music and music in general for just like gaming stuff. So be sure on a to- quick 
quick no, tidbit on oh, I was gonna say quick tidbit on gaming music. They, it's actually scientifically proven that if you need to focus on something like writing or something, listen to gaming music because it's designed to actually help you concentrate. So there you go. Go buy all the there soundtracks. Yeah, especially if you're in school still, guys. <laughs> I'll help you I'll help you ace those exams. You'll be an <laughs> award winning guardian, not only on Crucible, but within the halls of the Cryptarchs. So nice. <laughs> well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedbacks or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>